reading in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to read just simple, uh, a little simple short portion of this, the first verse, because it is a long reading, but we do need to hear it all, but we'll only stand for this first verse. You've been standing since the worship service started, and I know the Lord is honored by that, and I think it makes it better for the preaching for sure. Genesis 5 and 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Let's just read one more. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Let's ask the Lord to bless the preached word right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is anointed, it is blessed, it's true, it's infallible, it's perfect, it forever stands. Just ask you, Lord, to touch us as we speak your word, touch us as we hear your word, and then move on us with your spirit to respond to your word. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray right now. And we say, amen, it is done and it is so. Come on, why don't you give him a little bit of praise? Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to continue reading. It's going to sound like a lot. It's, it's not, but we're going to read through the end of the 24th verse. And it is a rather short reading for that amount of verses. Verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. The days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Somebody say, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. Where'd verse 8 go? It did, didn't it? Mine did too. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Somebody say that with me. And he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalil, and Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalil 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahalalil lived 65 years and begat Jared. Mahalalil lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalil were 895 years. And he died. And Jared lives 162 years. And he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 
800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I'll take a title, a couple of preaching points from a combination of words and their meanings out of our reading. The first word is found in several of the verses that we read. It's found in verse 5, verse 8, verse 11, verse 14, verse 17, and verse 20. It's a phrase, it all ends with the same word, and he died. The word died right here means to cease, to experience death, to be lifeless, or to perish. Six times in the generations of the first six people born, their life ended in death as we know it today. It ended in death. They became lifeless. They perished. The Bible said unto everything there's a season, there's a time to live and a time to die. And I think sometimes we as people of the name and people that have the spirit of the Lord inside of us, I think sometimes we really don't understand what that phrase means to us today. And he died. I want to teach and preach to you for a little bit on this thought. I choose to walk. Oh, this is going to get good. I'm going to try to teach because I feel like it's a teachable moment and a teachable subject. But if I get too rowdy, I've already pulled my coat off. Our reading is the genealogy and the genesis of the first seven generations of humanity to ever live in Scripture. It, it's just for our knowledge to know who they were, what they were, who their children were, how old they were. Actually, did anybody get much out of that reading? A majority of that reading was fairly boring reading, if you will allow me to say that, just simply because it just gives some names and some ages. Adam lived and died. Seth lived and died. Enos lived and died. Canaan lived and died. Mahalalil lived and died. Jared lived and died. But Enoch, when we get to the seventh man, the perfect number, the number of completion, when we get to that place, the Bible does not say that Enoch died. The Bible said that he lived and walked with God and he was not for God took him in verses 22 and in verses 24 the Bible uses the phrase walked with God the word walked needs to be understood for what it meant right here it means to proceed to go away to live to walk with God is to live with God. Oh, get ready. I choose to walk. I choose to walk. And then at the end of Enoch's life, it ends like this. God 
took him. And we say that quite often. We say that at many funeral services or memorials or uh, celebrations of life, ever how a family chooses for them to be worded. And indeed, there are people that die. And then there are people that God takes. Whatever happens at the end of our life is determined while we're living. Ever how God treats us at the end is truly determined by if we walk with God or if we don't. Oh, this is going to get good right here. Look at the end of his life. The word took, it means to receive, acquire, or take away. A modern translation just says this. He simply was gone. It's almost like we would view the rapture in some kind of a way. Enoch in the Hebrew word means this. Initiated follower. So it means that in Hebrew. I wanted to know what it meant in Greek. We know what the Old Testament was. What did the New Testament mean? Because we find his name in both Testaments. And so I looked that up as well. And it too, it's very strange. Lots of times the names don't mean the same thing when you get from, from one Testament to the next. But it too means the exact same thing. Initiated follower. Watch this. In both the Hebrew and the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Greek, the word initiated is the original root word to initial or first. And we're digging deep right here, but we gotta learn, we gotta learn this right here. This is good stuff. So it means in its purest form that Enoch was the first man to walk with God. He was the initial follower. He was the initial sellout. He was the one out of these first seven listed that said, my life does not matter, but his does. My will is not important, but God's is. My plans have no long-lasting purpose, but his plans are eternal. And so when we begin to read and study about Enoch, the first six generations of mankind, they are born, they live, they have a few children, and they die. Enoch is born, he lives, and he walks. Some folks die, some folks walk. I choose to walk. Oh, I want to tell you that one of the biggest problems that faces our world today, including uh, the church world, is just people following suit. It really is. Just do what everybody else is doing and just get through life. That's a problem. Here's why. Because my calling is not your calling. Your calling is not my calling. And the people that raised you up may not have raised you up in the truth. And so if you just get in the rut of life and be like everybody else and act like everybody else and follow the fads of the day and follow the popularity things that are going on in the world, then it won't be long. It'll just be you're what everybody else is. But the Bible has a different plan for people that walk with him. 
This is why the Bible says so plainly. It says, study and show yourself approved. That is uh, directly to speakers, but it's indirectly to every one of us. He says, do not compare yourselves among yourselves. That's to all of us. He also says, seek out your own soul's salvation with prayer and fear and trembling. This is not saying there's 150 ways to be saved. It's to say you need to know why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do, and you don't do it because I do it, and you don't do it because Mama done it, and you don't do it because Daddy done it. You choose to live for God because it's what's right. If you're like others, just be like them. If you want to be like people that are in the church, don't be like them just because that's the way they are. Be like them because they're right. And if they're not right, don't follow them. And let me change um to us. One of the greatest in the history said, if I or an angel or any other come telling you anything else, you let that man be accursed. He said, if I come back with a different plan than what's already been taught to you in the book of Acts about repentance and baptism in his name and being filled with the Spirit and led by the Holy Ghost, you tell that man he's a liar and you excuse him from your presence. I'm just telling you what he told them then. After six generations of men and their families just living the life called the human experience and then simply dying and people mourning at their grave and at their tomb, Enoch had a different strategy. He surely must have noticed that everyone else was doing the same old thing and life was ending hopelessly all the same and everyone was gathered around in the same kind of way. Now, I'm going to get out of my notes a minute because I feel right here to do this. This past week on Thursday, I was a part of two memorial services, and I had in my notes 38 times, but after looking closer, it looks like 40 times since the second week of March 2020, I've stood behind some lectern or some podium and spoke on the behalf of some people. There are some of those people I have no question, and I have no doubt that they walked. It's a good feeling as a pastor to stand and know that the person you're standing in front of, as far as the experience that you watch them live, you're not wondering if they died. You know they walked. They exchanged one house for another and never experienced death as we know death. They may have said goodbye to flesh and blood, but they said good morning. Sadly, there are millions and billions of people that are just follow suit and just do what everybody else has done. But it's the game changers. It's the people that go the extra mile, that find out the difference. It's the Enochs of the world that clearly come to understand that if he would follow God and if he would give his life to God and if he would not follow after the lust of the flesh but after the call of the Spirit, that in the end of time, instead of just being buried and everybody crying around his grave that he would be carried and he would walk I choose to walk he had a lot of time obviously these people live in hundreds of years 
had a lot of history to look at. All the men that lived before him lived several hundred years. They all started the same, and they all ended the same. The Bible couldn't even come up with any more cliches. They were born, and they died. I want to preach to you on this Wednesday, and I want to teach to this beautiful Wednesday night crowd that we were not born to live and die. Whether you live three days or 103 years, you aren't born to live and die. You were born to live and walk. No, no, you didn't hear me. I said you wasn't born to live and die. You were born to live and walk. And there's a vast difference between dying and walking. There's going to be somebody that tries to, tries to twist this around, but if you'll just hang in there long enough and trust me, I'm going to preach to you for just a little bit because the Bible said that the Lord just came and took Enoch. He just carried him away. He was there, and then he was gone. Such are the saints of God that die with the Spirit on the inside of them. This old earthly heart gives up its beat just to beat on the other side, on another shore, on the streets of gold where there's water of jasper and gates of pearl and a hand that is scarred they go from dying to walking I choose to walk I don't want to be like everybody else I'm not looking for the new fad or the new color or the new design or the new style I'm looking to live for God I'm looking to walk with him Enoch understood a passage of scripture that was still yet a couple of thousand years to be written. Found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9 through 11. But ye are a chosen generation. Woo! A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech ye as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts and which war against the soul, Enoch had an Old Testament understanding. There are people right now saying, I can, I can hear it. I can feel it. Now, how do, you, how do you suspect that he knew that? These three verses tell us. You just hold on to that question and we'll answer it for you. These three verses tell us that we just can't live like everybody else and just go through life. We are called to be something different. Listen to these words. Chosen, royal, holy, peculiar. Praising the one that called us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. If you line up in your lifestyle more with the world than you do the peculiar church, you might not be walking. 
that might be the time to check your spiritual pulse and find out if you want to live in the flesh or if you want to walk after the spirit of the one true living God who's given us an opportunity to not die but to live and to walk. Let me settle right here just a second. I studied all seven of these generations all the way through the scripture, all the way through to Revelation. Who they were, what they became, only to find that all of them made it to the New Testament because of their genealogy. Their names made it. And then the fact that Adam was a sinner made it. And then the fact that there was one of the sons who was, who's not in this original setting but who was the first murder victim, his name too is mentioned. But beside Adam's sin... Nobody else is mentioned except their genealogy. Adam and the other five. They were just born. They were just people. They lived. They died. They helped preserve humankind. But watch this. The name that stayed on the mind of God. The name that stayed on the lips of the preacher. And the pen of the writer was one called Enoch. Woo! Here's what it says about him in Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, this is the testimony he had. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to tell you that Enoch understood the end before the end was written. Why? Because when you walk with God, when you choose to walk, you'll know the end before the end comes. Martin Luther King Jr. said something so incredible in one of his sermons. He said that the greatest fear to humankind is death. But once you conquer the fear of death, there's nothing more to fear. I want to tell you something, folks. Once we can recognize and understand that there's nothing to fear if we die in Christ, then we ought to be able to wake up every morning. Depression has to take a hike. Addiction has to walk. Sorrows have to be gone. Pain, the thing that carries us and weighs our mind down when we know the end. Enoch knew the end before the end was written. Why? Because he's the first one to walk with God and to get a revelation. I've had people that have lost a spouse to death as we know it today. And as we know it, those that, that died in Christ, we know they just laid down this mortal body and they took on one that's immortal. We understand that. We recognize that. We believe that they walked. 
But I've talked to some people in the last little while that really needed some counsel. Not one, but more than one. I want to tell you, maybe more than two, but a couple I can think of right now that said, Pastor, I think I need a little time. Hey, you know, I lost my spouse, and, and they could give me the date and give me the time. And they could say, but there's something on the inside of me. I love them. I miss them. But there's a peace inside. I want to tell you what that peace is. It's the same peace that Enoch felt in the beginning of mankind when he knew that he was going to walk and not die. You don't need counseling. That's the peace that passes understanding. That's the peace that came before Enoch and the peace that survived after he was gone. We got to make up in our mind. I don't want to be worldly. I don't want to talk worldly. I don't want to act worldly. I don't want to look worldly. I don't want to invest worldly. I want to be godly. I want to look godly. I want to talk godly. I want to live godly. I want to be a holy, acceptable, peculiar example of what a Christian is. I choose to walk. Somebody's still asking the question, how do you know that Enoch knew? How do you believe that? How do you, how do you believe he looked into, into another dispensation, into not only centuries but millennia into the future and could see the end? And that's why it was different than any other man that had ever walked. I'll tell you how. Because the preacher, Jude, not a real popular book, but he's the preacher. Jude says, chapter 1, verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. He's prophesying revelations. He's, he's prophesying what John sees on Patmos as the seventh man to be born. Why? He didn't have an insight. The Holy Ghost hadn't come yet. He wasn't walking around talking in tongues, speaking with the voice of angels. No, he was walking with God. I choose to walk. If you walk, you'll see some things coming. You'll have some good decisions to make. Things won't blindside you when you're walking with God. You have a clear understanding of what's coming 6,000 years down the line. Here, let me back up and read 14 one more time. Sister Amanda. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, that means look or focus. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What was so special about Enoch? Did he pastor a church? 
Did he start up a Bible school? Did he lead the priesthood? What was he? Who was he? He, he lived a third of what almost everybody before him lived. He died young. As we know death. But the Bible teaches us that all he done was he had an address. Change notification. I'm moving to a much better place where there'll be no tears, no sorrows, and there'll be no more pain. This is to tell you of my address. Change. How did he know that? Because he had a walk. It wasn't the walk of the world. It wasn't even the walk of the first six men mentioned. It wasn't the walk of the first man, Adam. It wasn't the walk of the second man, Seth, or the next four to follow. He got a hold of something that you have an opportunity to get a hold of right here in the middle of this November Wednesday evening. You can get a hold of a lifestyle called a walk with God that changes everything. The Bible teaches us the greatest fear is the fear of death. But it also tells us death has already been defeated. How are we in fear over a win? He's talking about a mindset. When we get to a point where we can say, okay, Lord, I know that your plan is perfect. And I may not like it in my plan. I may not like it in my time. I may not like it on my calendar. I may not like it for my son and my daughter and my children, my husband, my wife, my family. But if this is your perfect plan, I'm walking in your will. Boy, if that airplane crashes and you're supposed to be on it, I'll make sure it crashes on top of your house. <laughs> Somehow, towards the very end, the next to the last book of writings, the seventh man to ever live was prophesying about things that would only be spoken of in the last book. How? Because he walked with God. You can come run the aisles, but how's your walk? You can have a good testimony, but, but how's your walk? You can talk in tongues every service, but how's your walk? You can be baptized over and over. You can repent all the time, and that's good, and a lot of that's biblical. But let me ask you this question. How are you Tuesday at the end of lunch when that car pulls out in front of you and you just found out your job might be on the hook? How's your walk when you're getting treated like everybody else? I just don't know how much more I can stand, Pastor. Keep walking. Keep walking. I'm looking like I'm, I'm, I'm looking like I just need to fit in. I just everybody looks at me strange. They talk. They wonder what I've got going on. Keep walking. 
Keep walking. Because somewhere, somehow, some way, God's going to give you wisdom, and he's going to give you an opportunity, and somebody's going to say, hey, while nobody's listening, let me ask you something. What do you have going on that the rest of us don't have going on? It's, it's my walk. It's my walk. Who I'm walking with determines where I walk to. Do I walk to a grave and we say the end? Oh, those of us that are left, we're sad there. But to those who die in Christ, they take one step from sickness and another step to wholeness. One step from down and out and another step to up and in. I choose to walk. Verse 16. Then look what he does. Well, he, he calls it out then. Look what he calls out about the end time. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. As people have got an encyclopedia of words. They can word you to death. Folks, there's one thing you'll never hear me claim I am, and that's a wordsmith. I butcher the language. I just barely get by preaching sometimes. It is when it should have been isn't. It was when it should have wasn't. He saw when it should have seen. But I'm going to tell you what I know. My walk is what I'm interested in perfecting. I may never get the language quite right. I may never get all the rights. I may never get the common in the right place. But if I can get my walk in with his walk, when it's all said and done, I won't be worried about being buried. I'll be worried about getting carried. Somebody ought to join me right now and just make your mind up. You're going to walk with God. I dare you. I dare you to stand to your feet all over this building for 30 seconds and sharpen your walk. Sister Beckham, I'm ready when you are. Come on. Do you have 30 more seconds in you? Oh, I see you praise, and you got to have it. I see you worship, and you can't go to heaven without it. But how's Monday? How's Tuesday? How's Thursday? How is Saturday night? Enoch looked from the position of the seventh man in the history of humanity. And said the day's going to come when they're going to chase after the lust of the flesh. And they're going to learn big words. And they're one of those men, they're going to stick their chest out. Because they got a few people in high places on their side. Yeah. 
only people he had to look at was the people before him, folks. So it didn't take but six generations for humanity to know what humanity was about and say, I don't want that. There was an old song, if y'all forgive me, I'm going to sing one line of it. And I don't know what the song's about. I don't know who she is. don't know her name. don't know anything about her. So if it means anything bad, y'all just forgive me. It's pure ignorance. But I, I remember the song as a kid. It said, I was country when country was uncool. I don't remember who that was or what they, what they were singing about, but I, I, I'm smart enough to figure it was a country song. But you know, they was country when country wasn't cool. And Enoch had it together before having it together was a thing. We got saints of God trying to figure out who sang that. I, for, I forgive you. Now, now, now you need to talk to the Lord. There's a discussion among us right now. Who was it? Was it Tammy? Was it Reba? Was it Barbara? Was it Phyllis? Who was it? Every person under the sound of my voice right now, whether you be in this building or watching this live stream, or whether you'll watch it later, you have an opportunity, if you can still get a breath, to change the direction, the gallop, the gait, and the speed of your walk. You know, you can see some folks, they walk in the door, and you know they are not trying to walk with God. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not being judgmental. They, they can look so holy. They, I mean, they can be the epitome of, of holy in the picture book and have the dirtiest heart. You know, it matters in some setting, but I don't care if you can wrap your hair eight times around an oatmeal box. And you have a hard time praying without going into heavenly language. If you walk out of here and you got a grudge, you're dirty. If you can't forgive your brother, how do you expect? I feel sorry for people that don't like folks because of the color of their skin. It, 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 it's, it's sad to me. It's just sad that you can look at a creation of God or what language they speak. Nazi Germany had the same color skin, but but the language, where they came from and their bloodline tried to destroy an entire people out of pure hatred. Sad to say, most historians believe that under the influence of an overdose of methamphetamines and a P2, P238 German pistol that Adolf Hitler went down into the bunker because he was scared of his shadow. And took his own life. Today the Jews thrive.
Folks, the Bible said if it's of the Lord, you can't stop it. And if it's not, it'll never get going. So get over your own agenda and get a walk. Let me share two people with you. Just remain standing. We'll fix and be done. That kind of had the same spirit as Enoch. There was Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. The voice was spoken. And a word of prophecy came and said, you're going to give birth to John. John is going to be the blood relative and cousin of the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. Your son's going to be the forerunner, and he's going to introduce Christ to the world. While she was beyond childbearing age, and her husband was beyond ability age, she looked at everything in the past. Who set childbearing age? Who set ability age? The Holy Ghost just spoke to me. Ha. And she began to walk as one that had conceived. Let me share another one with you. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, the Spirit came to her and said, You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And she said, oh, but I'm young and no man has known me. And she said, and she heard the voice say, that which is conceived in thy womb today is that of the Holy Ghost. And before the Holy Ghost moved, that baby inside the belly of Elizabeth jumped under an unction of the Spirit. Well, how could anybody that's never been known by a man give birth? Much less me, I'm so young and I'm from a place called nowhere, from a place. But folks, when you start walking the walk, who raised you? Who taught you? Who looked after you? Who led you to here? It won't matter when you start to walk. The problem with Elizabeth was her and her husband were both too old. But the problem with the problem was that the Spirit was speaking. The problem to Mary was she was too young and untouched. But the problem with the problem was she was at a perfect age and had been touched by the Holy Ghost. And the walk started from Enoch to Elizabeth. Moses said, I can't help you. Zachariah said, I'm too old. Mary said, I can't do it. Ezekiel said, I don't think it can happen. Gideon said, I'm a nobody from nowhere. Come on, singers, musicians, I'm done. But the moment they took the first step in their walk, babies kicked in a womb. 
heaven began to rejoice. A barley cake rolled down a hill to the Amalekites' tent. Aaron showed up to speak for Moses. The bones started rattling for Ezekiel in 37. Why? Because they took a walk. It wasn't a worldly walk. It wasn't a Levi walk. It wasn't a Wrangler walk. It wasn't a Ralph Lauren walk. It wasn't a Zeke Cavarici walk. It wasn't a Calvin. It was, it was a godly walk. I'm not living for recognition, but I'm living to recognize. Gideon said, I'm just a nobody. We talked about it the other morning, Brother Parker. And that's what you told me to call you. I was calling him Brother Broadus, so y'all don't, y'all don't call me disrespectful. He said, I don't want to be called that. So, Brother Parker, we talked about it the other morning. Old Gideon sitting under that, that oak tree that belonged to Orpah. He's sitting in a place that wasn't his. In a wine press where it ought to have been flowing with beautiful red and purple wines, but he was threshing wheat. In property that wasn't his. And his daddy was of the tribe of Manasseh and the youngest of Manasseh. And Manasseh was the youngest tribe his father was. And the tribe was the smallest and the most insignificant of the nation. And the nation was in bondage. So when the Lord looked down to find a person to start the walk, he found the very lowest of the low. A man whose nation was surrounded whose tribes were the smallest of the nation, whose father was the smallest of the tribe, who he himself was the smallest of his father's house. And he was on borrowed land, threshing wheat in a wine press under a borrowed oak tree. He ought to have a picture out beside nobody in the dictionary. And the Lord said, You're a mighty man of valor. Let's go to war. And Gideon walked his walk. And the Amalekites. I'm done. I'm, fin I'm finished. How'd I, how'd I do? Oh, that's good. That's good. I was talking about on time. I wasn't looking for approval. That, that wouldn't have been godly. Hey, so I just wonder as they get ready to sing. They're going to just sing a song to us. For us, with us, lead us. We got church here on Sunday, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And we got our church Thanksgiving at 6 p.m. It's going to be a wonderful time. God's going to go with us. He's going to touch us through these holidays. We're going to have a great time. There's going to be people that for the first time, they're going to sit down at a table. There's going to be a chair that's empty. And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt at your house. 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 It's going to hurt at your house, Sister Rima. It's going to hurt at your house, brother. Sister Donna, it's going to hurt at your house. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Brother Jim, it's going to hurt at your house. It's going to hurt at your house. Your husband's going to be hurting this year. Your family's going to be hurt. But you know what? Ah, 
led us to it, he'll walk us through it. Just before they sing the song that matters, the one that's supposed to close the service, let me share with you one little, one little bit of a song. It says, you got to keep on walking. You don't know how far you've come. Keep on walking. For all you know, it might be done. And the Father, he might be standing here right now to hear the call and answer all. But just keep on walking. Anybody remember that old song? That's before some of y'all knew Jesus. Hey, now lead us out of here. Why don't we just walk out from the pew right now and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I trust you enough to walk.